Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast where Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko and I recap the day the Browns had at the Hall of Fame in Canton. But first, we talk a little bit about the latest on Baker Mayfield, some of the rumors flying around about Carolina and just kind of getting an update on what's going on with Baker Mayfield and potentially trading him to the Panthers, what it might take, when it could happen. All of that. Then we get into Miles Garrett, uh, not going to visit the Hall of Fame, but what the Browns were hoping to accomplish today in making that trip to Canton. Uh, It's all coming up on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. This is where I tell you about Football Insider, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. We were texting, uh, we've been texting at minicamp and OTAs during practice, after practice, uh, giving our thoughts on what we see and heard. Uh, We also have a daily newsletter delivered to your inbox every single day. Uh, I guess that would be what daily means, but... Look, it's going to your inbox every single day. We also can give you access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns if you become a Football Insider subscriber. Cleveland.com slash browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up. Okay, here we go. Our Thursday edition of the Orange or Brown Talk podcast. And here we go on our Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. The Browns making a field trip to Canton today to visit the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Also had a presentation uh, from Keyshawn Johnson and uh, Bob Glover, who wrote a book um, about uh, some black football players in 1946, their untold stories uh, and their trip to the NFL. So uh, a lot going on today for the Browns, about a half hour practice uh, and then that visit to the Hall of Fame. But we're going to start, we're going to go in a different direction to start with, and that's an update on Baker Mayfield. So Mary Kay, uh, this continues to just sort of hang out there. Uh, Baker Mayfield and the Panthers, their interest in Baker, a potential trade to Carolina. Where, where do things stand right now in regards to all of that? Well, of course, the Browns would have loved to to have had this trade done by now. They excused Baker Mayfield from this mandatory minicamp. And in a perfect world, they would have shipped him to Carolina by now. But money is still an issue. Uh, the Panthers don't want to pay a bunch of Baker Mayfield's $18.86 million salary. I posted a story on Wednesday afternoon saying that uh, that sort of rumor that narrative we've been hearing about a possible Baker Mayfield for Sam Darnold swap. That's not going to happen. It will be shocking if that happens. I've had several people tell me uh, that it's highly unlikely. uh, And that's not really something that has been seriously discussed, not impossible. You can never say never, but at this point, that's not something that's on the front burner or expected to happen. 
nor is the Baker Mayfield trade imminent, even though they continue to talk. Uh, right now, they are still at odds over the money, and uh, they're not in that crunch time yet. They're not in that crunch time yet where they need to get this done. And the next time they will have leverage, I think, will be when training camp is about to start. And you would really want to get Baker Mayfield in there if you're the Panthers and serious about making this switch. So, Scott, when you think about Sam Darnold in a Cleveland Browns uniform, what could have been in 2018, wow. I guess? <laughs> I, I mean, it. I, I guess the argument would be maybe you think Sam Darnold could play. That would be the case Carolina would make to the Browns. Maybe Sam Darnold could play for you if Deshaun Watson gets suspended, but that's why Jacoby Brissett is here. Um, that that would be a sticking point to me too. <laughs> it's like the ghosts of quarterbacks past this offseason, right? Sean Watson, <laughs> Sam Darnold, who else is going to be out there? Uh, yeah, I don't. I, I never saw that happening. I remember when it first I first heard it, like the swap. On the one hand, I, it just seemed like the Browns wanted to move Baker Mayfield in part to also move his contract, and then you're bringing back a guy who's basically making the same amount of money. Mm-hmm or at least scheduled to in 2022. So that didn't make a lot of sense. And then just, you know, it's clear that they brought in three guys who have similar style of play, who are similarly athletic. And, uh, you know, Sam Darnold doesn't really fit that mode. He's big. He's certainly bigger than uh, than Baker Mayfield. Uh, There's that. But I don't know if anything we've seen from Sam Darnold in his NFL career suggests that he would fit neatly into however – the Browns are tweaking this offense to fit Deshaun Watson. Um, so it just never really made a lot of sense. Uh, and, and again, the money thing just, you know, w- w- you're, you're still stuck with $18 million. Yeah. Mary Kay, I think that's the thing. Like, you know, I understand that the Baker Baker's personality and some of the issues that would maybe come with him still being a member of the Browns when training camp starts as part of it. But like, at some point you're trading, you're swapping an $18 million guy who's not going to play for you for another $18 million guy who's not going to play for you. Yeah. And it it doesn't make sense from that standpoint. Obviously, if you were going to do that, uh, it's not an even trade. So the Browns would need to get a draft pick in return as well. And depending on how high the draft pick was, uh, you know, then, you know, that might factor in, but still, you know, this is not going to happen from everything that, that I'm hearing. And, um, and I think one of the reasons why you wouldn't do it is because in the event that you hang on to Baker Mayfield and somebody needs a quarterback during training camp or the early part of the season before the trade deadline, you have a very tradable asset in Baker Mayfield. 18.86 is not a lot uh, for a starting quarterback, And if you get a couple games into the season, the Browns will have already paid some of that. So, um, you know, so the price will come down for you. Uh, It would be easier to move Baker Mayfield in that instance than it would Sam Darnold. So, you know, keep Baker and and just, I would just keep keep him home during camp. That's the key, the starting thing. Um, If there was no Deshaun Watson here and you were just talking about uh, like a Jared Goff, um, you know, the Rams and Lions swap. Uh, maybe that makes more sense because you're bringing in Sam Darnold maybe to start, but nobody wants an $18 million backup quarterback. <laughs> so I guess, I mean, how how high do you think the Browns would be willing to go, Mary Kay? I mean, what are we, it, if Carolina said, okay, we'll do this, let's say it's July 
17th. And Carolina's like, all right, we'll do this deal, but you have to pay this much money. I mean, would would the Browns go 12 million, 15 million? How high is this team willing to go? Or does it just depend on what Carolina is willing to, to send back? It depends on what Carolina is willing to send back because then it becomes an NBA style salary dump trade, right? And basically they paid $16 million for the second round pick that became Nick Chubb. That's what they paid. So uh, it, it would depend. I mean, if, if they pay 13 or $14 million, you see where they would be going with what they're going to want in return, right? So this is not a situation where it's just, oh, we don't want to pay that much. It's what are we buying? What are we getting? And um, and the, the Panthers would have to be willing to, uh, you know, to come up pretty big in the draft pick compensation department. Hmm. Okay. So that, that is still on, you know, Mary Kay, you said one other thing though, you mentioned the trade deadline. I mean, is it likely that this could really go into the, are we to that point? Because I, I know like mini camp was sort of a cut off. And at this point, I mean, even if, even if they traded him tonight, he's, he's not going to get anything done at a Panthers mini camp practice. I don't even know if he'd be able to make it in time with taking a physical and all of that. You get to training camp, maybe Carolina says, Hey, we're fine with this. We're going to move forward with what we have. Um, I mean, like how likely do you think it is? This goes till the trade deadline. You know what? I, I honestly don't know. I, I don't know if the, the Panthers are kind of playing chicken with the Browns or what exactly they're doing here and how serious they are about moving forward with Sam Darnold as their starting quarterback and Matt Corral as their backup quarterback. I mean, if they're going through this mini camp and they're like, yeah, he looks pretty good this year, <laughs> then, you know, then maybe they're, you know, there's not the sense of urgency, but um but, you know, Baker Mayfield is a clear cut upgrade over Sam Darnold. Do you, would you guys agree with that? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, if they actually want to go out and try to win this season and, and to be somewhat more competitive than they are right now, then, you know, they, then maybe they'll go ahead and get it done. If not, uh, you know, then I do think the Browns have to wait until a team gets an injury and gets desperate and needs a team that's pretty good and thinks they can win this season gets desperate and needs a quarterback. And that could go all the way to the trade deadline. I mean, I, I don't know how, what situation is totally in Carolina. If only we had someone down there who could fill us in, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, aside from, you know, outside of calling Ellis, my take on this is that uh, the, the Panthers are looking for a quarterback to get them through 2022. I mean, they, they can't look at Sam Darnold as, the future and say they do stick with him and he plays great. Well, then maybe, maybe he's the guy. If they end up getting Baker Mayfield, it isn't because they think necessarily that he's the future. Maybe they think he has a better chance of being a guy they keep around, but either way, you got to think priority one is get someone, get someone who can get you through 2022. And then you're kind of rethinking things and looking at the draft and, and maybe finding your guy for the future. You know, so whether it's Darnold or Baker, I I can't believe they're looking at either one of those guys as quote unquote the answer. And what what kind of ca cautionary tale is this too, you guys for um for those fifth year options? Oh my gosh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> now now the the way they're structured in the new CBA, yeah, it's. I think we saw that right with Daniel Jones. Mm -hmm. I I think we've we have seen like unless you're certain, you almost can't do it. You almost can't pick up that option because that number is just big enough 
you know, it's at some positions more than others. It's just big enough that it's problematic if you get mm-hmm. into a situation like the Browns are. Yeah, 18 to $20 million or whatever, uh, 22, 24, uh, whatever those uh, come out to be, depending on the tiers that they have now, uh, unless you're pretty darn sure, you just don't want to pull that trigger. And again, you don't even have that couple of months. You don't have, even have months uh, to figure it out because it's immediately guaranteed. And it seemed like the right thing to do at the time, right? I mean, it really yeah. seemed like the it seemed like it, it seemed like a no brainer for Baker Mayfield. Um, and it's just how quickly things have changed. What was the deadline on that? It's after the draft. Yeah, it's like May um, It's 5th. like May, the year before your fourth year. Yeah. It's early May, the year before your fourth year. And it yeah, used think- to be, it was only guaranteed for injury, which again, that's interesting too, because that would have kicked in for Baker this year. So the Browns were kind of, you know, the new CBA maybe didn't impact them that much, but under this new CBA, it's guaranteed as soon as you pick it up. Right. Yeah. So, Yeah. <laughs> it's uh it's a game changer i think and it's interesting that i I think a lot of teams are paying attention now we also heard from joel batonio today and that was it was good to hear from joel he wasn't there at otas so we didn't get our usual joel batonio press conferences so we got to talk to him today in canton and we're going to stay on this baker mayfield topic because personally yeah you know again I wasn't necessarily advocating for Baker here uh, on this podcast throughout the season or, or during the off season, but I do think in a lot of ways, and I've said this before, that pendulum has swung a little too far uh, in the anti-Baker direction uh, since all of this has gone down. And I, Mary Kay, I was happy to hear Joel Batonio say, uh, this was his quote today. Um, this is out of your story. Uh, Baker was my guy. I still remember the Thursday night Jets game when he came into the game and helped lead us to victory. And that was honestly one of the more special moments in my career, just because it had been so long since we won games. He's a tough guy and he played his heart out for us. And I'll always respect that. He's still a friend of mine. We text occasionally. And I think, and I think like everybody else, he's kind of waiting it out to see where he's going, but Baker did a lot for this franchise. He won a lot of games. He was a great player for us and I'll always be a friend. I thought that was a nice thing for Joel Batonio to say. I I think it was nice to hear someone kind of step up and and say like, hey, I understand why the Browns went and got Deshaun Watson, but you know what? Thanks, Baker. You you did some good things for us uh, during your time here. Yes, absolutely. And leave it to Joel Batonio to sort of be the spokesperson for the team and kind of put something in perspective or say what needs to be said. And I did think, I do think that that, needed to be set, just like you mentioned. Uh, somebody needed to thank Baker Mayfield for everything that he's done. Somebody needed, needed to thank him for go out, going out and playing hurt last season um, and for rallying you know, the whole younger generation of Browns fans to climb onto the bandwagon, to take this team to the playoffs, to get them out of the doldrums. He did all of those things uh, for this Cleveland Browns team. And there are still plenty of fans, as we full know well, uh, that are, you know, that still really love Baker Mayfield for all the things that he did uh, for the Cleveland Browns, for the excitement that he brought, the knowledge that they could be uh, in pretty much every game, especially during the, uh, the 2020 season. And there were, there were the down seasons too, but, uh, you know, he brought back some hope and he brought back some fun and some fire and some energy and uh, and that should not be completely forgotten. And 
and I did appreciate that that Joel complimented him and gave him his just dues. I, I asked uh, Football Insider subscribers uh, like shortly after the whole trade request thing went down, and uh, it, I think it was after it had to have been after they actually traded for Watson. Um, well, I asked them so if if you had wanted to see Baker. If you were a fan that wanted to see Baker come back and be the quarterback in 2022, why was that? And pretty much everything Joel Petonio said was echoed by those people. Uh, it was that Jets game was mentioned over and over and the feeling that people got from that, you know, the, the toughness, the chip on the shoulder, um, obviously playoff win, but just it, it, hearing Joel Petonio talk today, it just reminded me of all those things the fans brought up about why they wanted to keep Baker. So it's, you know, Clearly, he saw those same things uh, up close and you know personal over the last few years. Yeah, and it did feel like it stretches, like oh, the Browns have their guy finally, and and obviously that that ended up not working out. But it, there there were times. I mean, we, we we talked about Baker. We spent a whole off season talking about extending Baker Mayfield on this podcast, right? There, yeah. Who knows how many times that question came up uh, on this podcast? So like, there there was certainly a feeling at times, especially you know, after that rookie season and then after getting to the divisional round in the playoffs where it was like, Oh, the Browns might have a guy here. And I, I, you know, fans have been waiting for that. So, you know, again, I, I get why they went and got to Sean Watson. Joel Batonio said it. He understands why they went and got to Sean Watson. Baker Mayfield is not as good of a quarterback as Sean Watson, (laughs) frankly, but you know, again, I, I think he can still be a top half of the league guy and and i feel like joel sort of echoed that sentiment today yeah and you know what i think it's easy for some of us in the media maybe not all of us but you know some of us in the media i feel like baker you know he did not try to develop a a relationship with any of us i mean that not that i could tell i mean i don't think he really had a very good working relationship uh, with, with, with anybody in the local media, really, to be honest with you, I I can't think of, I mean, he got along with, um, you know, Jake Trotter a little bit, maybe more than some others because Jake had covered him back in Oklahoma, Jake from ESPN.com. But, but for the most part, you know, none of us really, you know, had very many side conversations with him over at his locker, or, you know, you just kind of shoot the breeze with people like you do with, with Joel Batonio and like you do with Joe Thomas and stuff like that. So I think, you know, when, when push comes to shove and you have to write about, you know, him leaving and some, some things like that, you know, you, you might not necessarily uh, always sort of, you know, defend him or take up for him as much as you might somebody else that you did get to know. Um, but the truth of the matter is that um, he did give his heart and soul to this football team. And the reason why they drafted him and I, you know, I'll probably write some more about this uh, as we move forward. But the reason why, one of the reasons why they drafted him over any of those other quarterbacks in 2018 was because of that very abrasive and fiery nature that he has. They they felt that they needed somebody with a really, really strong personality to pick this team up by the bootstraps and and yank it uh, in into a sort of a winning culture and so you know that's a major reason why he was here yeah and i I think like it's not even defending baker it's just kind of acknowledging like 
you know, I, I mean, certainly people are welcome to defend Baker if they want, but it's just acknowledging. And, and when he does get traded, we're going to do like a series of podcasts on what Baker meant to this team. So just that acknowledgement of um, like, he did mean something to this franchise and he is a, a chapter in its history since it returned. Um, and, and I think that's, I think that's relevant. So I thought it was good for, for Joel to, to put that out there on the record from a player in that locker. And I'm sure there's others um, who, who would say that as well. So uh, there you go. We missed Joel Batonio. All right, <laughs> let's take a break here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. And then we've got some other things to get into. I'm back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We continue to talk about uh, today in Canton, not Berea, in Canton. Um, Miles Garrett stayed true to his word. He did not attend the team's tour of the Hall of Fame. Uh, I don't know if he like sat on the bus. I don't know if he sat outside in a lawn chair and drank some lemonade or something. I I don't know what he did while the team visited. He was at practice. I'm assuming he went to the the presentation that they attended and, and participated in some of the other things. But uh, he did not attend the Hall of Fame. Mary Kay, I'm curious when we talk about Miles and his not wanting to visit the Hall of Fame until he's in. Do you do you see him on that track already? You know, going into year what is this year six? He's going into um, on on that Hall of Fame track. Yeah, I think he is on that Hall of Fame track. Um, and you know, something a little bit uh, you know that we could probably dig into a little bit more uh, as a staff. But um, I think he is on on track. I think it would help him if he could add like an NFL defensive player of the year award. It's, it's not a prerequisite, but it would help to have that. It, it really would help him uh, if the team could have a little bit more success. Um, and a couple more, he's going to need a couple more first team, all pros. It would help to get on and like an all decade team. Uh, some of those things really, really help a lot. And um, so he's got to add to his, his resume. He's got to continue the double digit sacks, uh, you know, continue to make some more big plays and, you know, longevity is a big thing when it comes to uh, these defensive ends getting in because the competition is very, very fierce. And a lot of times you're talking about guys that have 150 sacks or 130 sacks, you know, and even some of those guys can't get in. So he's going to have to really, keep it up but i definitely think he's on the on the right track scott he's at 58 and a half right now through five years and that includes a rookie year where he played 11 games and of course 2019 uh, when he had that indefinite suspension um other than that uh, you're looking at consecutive all pro first team all pro in 2020 and 2021 he was second team all pro in 2018 he's made it to three pro bowls uh the only years he hasn't made it where that rookie year and in 2019 um so the accolades are starting to get there for him um i mean do you are you seeing the the start of a hall of fame player here (laughs) do do i have to rant about sports awards here uh listen miles garrett if you're listening you do not need a gold jacket to validate yourself as a football player nobody does Clay Matthews was a great player. He doesn't need a gold jacket any more than Peyton Manning did. Um, so, yeah, that's my take <laughs> where he said it. I'm sure he will. He certainly seems to be uh, – I mean, whether he wins a defensive player of the year or not, he's always in the conversation. And mm-hmm. at least halfway through the year for the past few years, he's been, you know, 
uh, among the league leaders in sacks. So you figure that he's going to get there at some point. He's going to put together a season where he's healthy all year and where things uh, don't derail for whatever reason. And and he starts winning some of this stuff. Uh, but, you know, I mean, Miles could have gone in. There's the Hall of Fame and then there's the museum. And you can <laughs> The Hall of Fame is like one room. It's like the Rock Hall. It's like there's the museum, which is awesome. And the Rock Hall, Hall of Fame, which is silly, is at the top. You don't have to go in that room. Same thing with the with the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Like Miles could have gone in there and and enjoyed all the memorabilia and and all that cool stuff without going into the room with all the busts and uh, and seeing all that and saying, you know what, I'm not going in this room till my bust is in there. Mm-hmm. It would have been fine, but you know, just the whole thing gets to be kind of silly. And I'm not dim- diminishing like Mary Kay's role as a, or anybody's role as a voter. <laughs> I just personally think like you know, sports is set up to tell us who's good and who isn't, and a gold jacket shouldn't be needed to validate that. Well, you know, the other thing about the era that Miles is playing in right now is there are so many good defenders and so many good defensive ends. The competition will be fierce. I mean, guys will be coming up uh, around the same time he will be that, you know, that have been amazing. So it's not going to be easy to get into the hall of fame. It's never easy. And I, I know that we get ripped every year when we walk out of the room and, and didn't vote some certain people in there that everybody thinks should be in. Um, but, um, you know, he's playing in an era where there's, you know, the Aaron Donalds and the Bosa's and the Watts. And uh, so, yeah, he, the, the bar is set very, very high for him. And, you know, I, and I've said this many times on the pod, I, I still do think that he's got another gear. And I was kind of happy to hear him say that when we asked him at his youth football camp, you know, he says he's trying to take it up another notch. Joe Woods said the same thing the last time we talked to him that, uh, you know, that he feels like if Miles were more consistent, that he would be completely unblockable on every single play. Uh, So I think everyone's kind of trying to get him to that point where, where he is just this dominant force at all times that takes over games. And I think you'll see more of that this year. Yeah. We've seen some of that, like the jets game comes to mind and obviously the the bears, but you want to see more of them. You want to see him do that more often than not. And that for it to take like a really good, uh, you know, tackle to kind of keep him at bay. And mm-hmm. you're right. Although it would have been funny to, for him to say, you know what? I got a floor. This is it. This is, this is it. This is as fast as I'm going. This is as good as I'm going to get. Yeah. <laughs> I am I am content with, yes. <laughs> with everything. You know, Mary Kay, you mentioned the edge rushers and, and pass rushers that, that he's with right now. And, I, you know, obviously with Aaron Donald, we're talking about a guy who's an interior guy. But I saw a graphic today, uh, most years with 12 plus sacks over the last 10 seasons. And this is a Twitter graphic. So if it's incorrect, uh, my apologies. But Cam Jordan. Aaron Donald, Chandler Jones, Von Miller, J.J. Watt. And on that list was T.J. Watt. I remember this is most years with 12-plus sacks over the last 10 seasons. It was Cam Jordan with five, and those other players had four. T.J. Watt hasn't been in the league 10 seasons. And he's, <laughs> he's already on that list. Now, Miles probably would have been on that list had he not been suspended in 2019. Um, but, you know, that's the other part of, of Miles' story, I think, is he he hasn't had that complete year yet. 
where he's just from start to finish been dominant and he hasn't had that those opportunities to perform on the biggest stages over and over again in, including in the playoffs he's only been in the playoffs once and he had COVID, and he wasn't miles garrett in in those playoff games hmm. yeah and that's right what... yep, go ahead scott i was gonna say for the record tj watt uh three of it or four of his five years over 12 13 14 15 then last year's 22 and a half so he's on a nice roll <laughs> yeah he, he is he is getting talk about getting better my goodness he he really had uh, a phenomenal year last year and that's that's one of those reasons why you know you can never really count out uh the Steelers just because their defense can take over games like that um but yeah I mean I I I do think that Miles is capable of of more more big plays more turnovers more takeaways more trips to the backfield more tackles for loss uh, and, and I think that's, that's what they would like to see as well. So, um, so we'll see what he's got. I asked him, you know, what do you have planned this summer between mini camp? He does have something up his sleeve, but he wasn't willing to say what it was. So <laughs> we'll have to look for it on Instagram or something. Everybody is so coy about things in, in this. They, they never want to tell, just tell us like, what, what are you doing this summer? Like, where are you going? <laughs> where do like, everybody's so it's like Fort Knox, like, come on. Yeah. Like, yeah. like Kevin didn't, Kevin couldn't even tell us that he had excused miles from, from the hall of fame visit. Like, come on, throw us a bone here. Just, just tell us. Yeah, we drove all the way down here and we're standing out here in 95 degree heat and, you know, hmm. nice little it, detail would have helped. I looked up Miles numbers here, too, and he was really close to making. Um, he's been over 12 and three of the past four years. The only year he didn't make it was 2019. He had 10 and that was the year he played 10 games. So yeah. four straight it's, years, double digits, which is pretty good. He's had two years in 2019 and 2020 when he definitely was in the running for defensive player of the year. And then something, mm -hmm. something sidetracked him. Yeah. Um, one that was very much in his control another that was, that was out of his control. Um, okay. So the last thing, the, the hall of fame visit and, and Mary Kay, this is obviously um, you know, mandatory mini camp, Kevin getting his guys away from, uh, from their facility in Berea for a day. And then tomorrow or today, when, when people hear this, they're going to practice at first energy stadium. Um, just when you heard Kevin talk about, why he was taking the team to the hall of fame. And it's, it's something that the Browns can do because they're right up the road. Um, did, did you kind of get a, a feel for why he thought this was important? Yeah, I, I think he really means it when he talks about the history of the game and how much they, they need to, you know, reach back and honor uh, the, the players who have come before them and who have paved the way for them to be here where they are right now. And there are so many good Browns players and hall of fame Browns players. I mean, he showed the Jim Brown football life on the bus on the way down. Um, you know, Marion Motley's, some of Marion Motley's family members were there. Uh, but there are so many players like that in, in Brown's history uh, that these guys should know about. And I remember back in the day, I used to always ask the running backs, have you watched Jim Brown highlights? Do you know anything about Jim Brown? A lot of times they hadn't. And I just think it's, it should be a prerequisite for them. Right. Um, so I thought it was it was smart that he did that. 
And, uh, and I do think that it's meaningful uh, that they are taking advantage of being just a little more than an hour away from, from the hall of fame and, and how cool that probably is for a lot of guys to, you know, to be in there and maybe to even get the, you know, get the wheels going and think, you know what, maybe I can be in there too. You know, every year after the draft, I write uh, Brown's rookie one Oh one. I apparently nobody's reading it. They should know all this stuff already. I cover it all. Um, <laughs> I think from like the team building standpoint, this trip makes a lot of sense, especially when you think back to how last season ended people talking about how the offense and defense uh, weren't, you know, on the same page, uh, just team wise, you had obviously the, the whole Baker OBJ thing and people kind of sticking up and saying, you know, we take OBJ back in, in a second. And that really didn't seem to be the vibe people on the outside were really expecting in that situation. You had Anthony Walker today talking about how there was this standoffish vibe last year. So you know, getting everybody on the bus and, and down and doing something like this, that's, yeah, it's technically a mini camp practice, but really it's, you know, it's kind of like a field trip. Uh, seems like they're taking, they're making an effort to kind of address things that happened last year. And he, he did it during mandatory mini camp, which I think is interesting. You know, he didn't do, this wasn't like an OTA day where guys mm-hmm. could say, yeah, I don't want to go, or I'm going to, I'm going to sit this one out. He did it at a time when uh, everybody had, had to go well with the exception of miles who was there again he was at practice he was he was at other things but um it, yeah I, I think this was very it, we kind of forget that a lot of these guys they're kind of consumed by football right it's their lives to get to the nfl but like i'm sure they aren't making family trips to the hall of fame for a lot of these guys they're in different parts of the country a lot of them come from backgrounds where there's no way they they could have ever afforded a trip like that to begin with and it's just so this is a a cool opportunity to introduce them you know they knew who a lot of these players were but like to introduce them to that history and just put them in a position where they can dive in a little bit and and maybe learn more about the background of the game yeah and and you know what just in in terms of uh of kevin excusing miles uh i was really hoping that he would uh, I mean, what purpose would it have served to, you know, to make Miles do something that, you know, he had set out as a rookie not to do, not to set foot in there until he makes the Hall of Fame. So I was kind of glad that Kevin honored that. And I think it showed that, um, you know, that he's, you know, he's open to communication. He's, uh, you know, he'll listen to his players. And if, if something makes sense to him, he'll be open to doing it. I, I don't, you guys, do you guys agree that that would have been uh, not the wisest move to sort of force miles to go in there today? Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, somebody out there might make the case that, well, miles should have gone it's a team building thing, but yeah, I, th- I think it's a show of respect. Like, okay. I, I understand you have a good reason for not wanting to do this. I understand that. And I'm going to respect it. I mean, Miles flew everybody down to what Miami. I mean, <laughs> right. he's, he's done his part in team building this off season. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, and and by the way, I mean, like you know, to, if if people are kind of out there, like, how much did this really mean to guys? I mean, there were players posting on their Instagram stories, you know, busts that they were finding, and you know, John Johnson, David and Joku, there were guys uh, posting some of these photos that that they were taking while they were walking through. So, uh, definitely a cool experience for a lot of these guys, I'm sure. Okay. Uh, for us, it was standing out in the heat for a hey, quick, long time. Quick question, though. <laughs> have have either of you been to the Hall of Fame just to go through it? It's I have, but it's been a while since I've since I've gone. I 
am loath to admit that I have not been in there. I am a Hall of Fame selector and I have not toured the Hall of Fame. Wow. Well, you're not going to go until you're in it. That's that's, what that's it right. That is there exactly right. I like it. Mary, Mary Kay is excused. We are excusing Mary yes. Kay. Thank I you. Do, I do need to go back. My daughter went on a field. She's not even a football fan. She went on a field trip uh, two years ago, I think. And she, even she thought it was a cool place. So I do yeah. need to make my way back there. I was embedded what? with the Glenville High School team. Like this is probably 2015, 2014, whenever they made the state final last or around that time when they made it. And I kind of, I basically rode down with them, spent the whole day with them and they went over there. And that's like the only time I had been in it, but it was more spent like watching them, you know, and, and what they were doing in the hall of fame than actually like enjoying it myself. Um, so I've never technically gone to just go through it. Well, maybe we could do a little cleveland.com field trip to the <laughs> hall go. of fame, tape a podcast from down there, take some questions from some fans, do a little public appearance. What do you guys think? Oh, it depends on the timing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> send, send, send me a save the date. <laughs> yeah. Will do. No, that may, maybe we should. That should be like a, it could be like a little football insider thing or something. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. That's right. Our bosses listen to this podcast. Hint, oh, hint. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I'll put a little disclaimer in for them to turn it off before we get to that part. We don't want to commit <laughs> too much here. All right. Uh, that'll do it for this edition of the Orange to Brown Talk podcast. I mentioned Football Insider. If you're not a football insider, cleveland.com slash Brown's the blue banner at the top of the page. Get info, get signed up. And make sure you're subscribed to our podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well. For Mary Kay and Scott, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>